Hello and welcome to the iCoach Kids podcast with me, your host, Owen Mooney. iCoach Kids is a global not-for-profit movement that aims to support children's coaches around the world. This podcast is the perfect resource for anyone and everything related to children's coaching and youth development. We are an Apple and Spotify podcast, so be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review. Also, please follow the iCoach Kids pages on social media at iCoach Kids World and subscribe to the iCoach Kids World YouTube channel where you'll have access to the massive open online courses, conference presentations, as well as a huge number of videos and webinars to help you on your coaching journey. Thank you for joining our ever-growing family. On today's show, I'm joined by Fiona Marsh. Fiona has worked in disability sport for almost two decades, first at national level with Special Olympics Ireland and Paralympics Ireland respectively, and now with Special Olympics International, where she is Director of Coaching and Education, where her primary responsibility is to drive the creation of resources and systems to support the development of coaches across the world ensuring athletes with intellectual disabilities get access to sport coaches who have the skills and knowledge to facilitate their growth as athletes and pupils. On today's episode, Fiona discusses her coaching background and influences, coaching and not coaching her children, her career in disability sport, supporting coaches from all over the world in coaching children with different abilities, and much more. We hope you enjoy the episode. Fiona, thank you for joining me in the iQuits Kids podcast. It's great to have you on the show. How have you been keeping? I'm great, thanks, Owen, and thanks for having me. I'm enjoying the fine weather right now and uh, looking forward to what's always a good chat with you. We were talking, folks who were listening, we were talking beforehand, and um, we're obviously both inside recording this, and we're both in ovens recording this because obviously this is the heat we have in Ireland, and Fiona's in. Dublin and I'm in Galway so it's very very warm and we're both in areas that it's very loud outside for different reasons mine is Kiara's and Fiona is there's children outside playing which is great um, but it can be very loud so hopefully you don't hear too much noise in the background with us um, so Fiona just for our listeners um, could you give us an overview of you your coaching journey your influences your coaching background um, just to get us started yeah sure Owen yeah so uh, my name obviously is Fiona Murray. I've uh, I've been working in sports um, my whole life. Um, I'm one of those people who, you know, right from childhood, always always wanted to be involved in sport, always wanted to work in sport. But, you know, it was clear pretty early on that a professional playing career was not going to be on the cards for me. But nevertheless, um, you know, it was that kind of kid that was just into everything. I played a little bit of every sport, bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I suppose it's just, there was never any other industry that I was ever going to want to work in. Um, and I ended up following my degree, I did a degree in sports science in UL. And I ended up after that through a, a few little twists of fate um, connected to Liam Moggan, which I'm sure is a, a familiar theme in, in many of your guests' own. Um, I ended up working for the 2003 Special Olympics World Games. So it was my first foray into the working world, my first foray into disability sport, I knew really nothing about it um, before entering in. And I had the opportunity to work in this once in a lifetime event with Ireland holding, hosting like the biggest international sports event that year. Um, and the first time the Special Olympics World Games have been held outside of the United States. So incredible way to be introduced to disability sport at, at the highest level and biggest scale. Um, and I spent a number of years, well, I spent the year working there, completed a master's over in Glasgow, and then came back to Ireland to work with Special Olympics Ireland. And I spent about just short of a decade there working in coach development, coach education, um, under the guidance of Frances Kavanagh, who I'm sure lots of people know from Sport Ireland and, and also her time in Special Olympics, obviously. Um, and then after that, I spent a little bit of time working with Paralympics Ireland, um, working in the uh, performance team under Dave Malone and Liam Harbison. Um, had a great time there, learned so much about a new area of disability sport for me and looking at that really high performing and elite end of sport. Um, very much looking forward to the Tokyo Games now, uh, along with many others. 
Um, and then after a bit of time there, then I moved it back to Special Olympics, working at an international level. And that's where I am right now, working um, with responsibility for global coach development program. So working really closely with people from all around the world um, and trying to kind of develop um, their infrastructure and their systems and, and also working on kind of content development and so on. Um, and then more from a, you know, a personal sports perspective, um, I'm a hockey girl. I've been playing hockey since I was eight. Um, absolutely love it. So again, very excited to be watching uh, over the next couple of days, the Irish girls playing in the first ever, first ever Olympics for an Irish ladies hockey team. Um, and uh, yeah, like just kind of a recreational runner, golfer, a bit of everything, really. You know, I haven't really moved a whole lot on from the, that like jack of all trades child. I'm kind of the same as an adult. Um, you talked earlier on as well about um, you played a lot of sport and you just touched on it there now before you finished. So in terms of your roles, previously with SO, Special Olympics Ireland, Paralympics, and now with Special Olympics International, how has being involved in so many different sports, seeing um, how they work, obviously in terms of coaching as well, how has that impacted your role, but also your coaching? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think it's it's been really important. I think, you know, there's, it, it's interesting, um, I'm, I'm probably gonna skip a little bit wonky on your hero, and, but um, I, I'm helping out a little bit now. My daughter, she's just started GAA. And I'm gonna touch on that. <laughs> I, I've no GAA background at all stay for like an armchair fan watching the the dub men and women you know but um I, it's it's really interesting seeing the the difference out on the field with the people who have a GA background and the people who don't and I think in some ways it's really nice because it actually allows me to just focus on the kids having fun and the keeping them engaged and I, I don't have the technical expertise now I don't need a whole lot of technical expertise I guess at, at under sevens arguably but um but it, I think it's 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 great because I, I can't then be the person who says to a coach or an administrator of sport, this is the way you should do this. I don't have that expertise in, in, in every single sport. So what it does allow me to do, which I think is, is great, is really defer to those people who have that responsibility and really build, you know, build and work with people in a very collaborative way and you know, that suits my way of working, but I also think it's a really positive way, particularly in grassroots participation sports. Um, I think it's a really positive way to work. And I think it, it allows them for the participants to be getting the best from everybody who's involved. So one of the things that, you, again, you touched on there now was coaching your daughter. And for those who are listening, um, obviously I worked with, with Fiona for a little while when I was at Special Olympics Ireland also. So we know each other quite well and we've had this discussion before. So you talked about going to the, with your daughter with the GA, and it was actually last night because we were chatting last night about this. Um, but we've also had this talk about the hockey end. So you said that hockey was your main sport. Yeah. So in terms in terms of coaching your children, and I know that you've done a little bit of coaching with your daughters um, through hockey also. So how is that dynamic uh, between coaching your children um, affected not only your relationship with them, but your relationship and understand of other parents who are coaching their children also? Yeah, it, it's funny. You know, I did I did help out a little bit. She played a little bit of hockey last year, and and she's actually not playing this year, and it's more a scheduling issue being honest so hopefully she'll she'll find a love for it and, and rejoin the sport I'd still love it if she if she found it and and, and liked it but of course it's going to be her choice um but I do think um I do think you know for, for me with with the football with her especially now in the football camogie um we're very much still at that like in that honeymoon phase where I'm still a novelty and it's great and it's fun to have mom around at training and she likes you know she likes to kind of connect in and and, uh, and and just be kind of having she likes kind of the celebrity of having mom there <laughs> with the kids who have their parents there love it but I, I I think um I think I you know I, I I do kind of catch myself as well sometimes being a little bit more um more in the space of kind of correcting her whereas I have to like kind of pull myself back and, re and, I, and I don't find myself doing that with other kids and I I think what it you know, look, it's down to every parent. Every parent knows themselves better and they know themselves as a, as a coach, whether they're 
uh, you know, whether they are the right person to coach their kid. And I think some people manage that really, really well. And for some people, taking that sort of step back is probably better. And I think certainly for me in the hockey space with her, um, I actually work more with, with other groups. And it was only kind of a peripheral role, but I, I work more with other groups. And actually, from a hockey perspective, I'm more comfortable with that. And I think it's better for her um, that I'm not there over her shoulder all the time. Um, there's less pressure on her and there's less of a sense of I have to do this because mom loves it. Um, whereas with the, you know, with the football, it's, it's a very different, it's a very different space for me and it's then a very different space for her. And ultimately the priority for me is, is for her and for all the kids that she's playing with that they come back next week. That's what I see as the primary role at this stage. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think I, I'm a better place to be doing that with her in the, in the football than with the hockey. <laughs> As you touched on there, um, just getting the children to come back the next week, and that's the most important, and having fun, and you touched about being engaged, making sure that they're working collaboratively, building relationships, the social element, and yeah. just getting into the nitty-gritty now of the episode. So the episode is co called Coaching Children with Different Abilities. So throughout um, kind of your experience with, as we said, Paralympics Ireland, Special Olympics Ireland, and now Special Olympics International, um, coaching children with different abilities is happening all the time in your sphere because they're mostly adults or athletes with an intellectual disability. Um, so how important is it for your role, but also for coaches to understand that no matter what the ability of the child or the athlete, that they're involved? Yeah, uh, look, I think that's, especially when we're looking at engaging kids, that's the, for me, that's the most important, like, get them involved in whatever way that they are able to get involved and they'll often lead you to that quicker yeah. than you'll get for yourself. Um, so I think it's, it's, that's absolutely critical. And, you know, we're not at, at, at this age group, we're not trying to make um, athletes who are going to go to ENAS games or Paralympic games. We're trying to keep kids, give them a positive experience. It's going to have them come back. And that's, Look, that's, isn't that what all of the, the literature tells us, that kids who are engaged, kids who have fun, kids who have the opportunity to make social connections, they're the kids who are going to come back. And um, we don't need to make them superstars at this stage. We need them to have, you know, to have fun and, to, and for sure to learn. And I, and I think we don't, you know, we don't want to forget about that, but, but learning in a way that's age appropriate and ability appropriate. And, and again, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that we, we see from coaches within Special Olympics is that their athletes will very, very often will guide them much, as I said, much quickly, much more quickly to what they're, what they're able to do, what challenges they can take on than, and, and, and often will exceed the expectation that the coaches have. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think in, if, with coaches who are new with disability sport, is there's a little bit of a fear perhaps of, challenging athletes and having them experience failure um but isn't that how we learn and it's about making those failures safe um and really not looking at them as a failure but looking at them as as like a learning opportunity um and, and normalizing the fact that you know we don't win everything and it's it's one of the conversations i'm having with my six-year-old very often now is hey, you can't win every time you can't be the best at everything and that's okay and you know i can't do this mom it's really hard of course it is. You haven't done it before. And it's, it's kind of normalizing that for them and, and helping them realize that we all learn. And just because, you know, Coach Owen is able to do all that perfectly. Well, sure, he's been playing for 20 years, so whatever, or more, maybe, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not go into that. This episode's about you here. We'll park that to the side. <laughs> um, I like one of the things that you did touch on there was the exceeding expectations. And because of your role, again, with um, coaching athletes with, and children with different abilities, um, you said that the challenge with new coaches, but with, with coaches, no matter how experienced they are, it's that you know fear factor, or can I do this or can they do this? And a lot of the time is, well, you don't know if you don't ask or don't involve them. And then you're going to figure it out. I remember we did with Special Olympics Ireland, you know, we oh, the staff is, we're always good crack. And uh, remember, was For sure. the, yeah, I was on the team to do one and we got um, some gymnasts to come in from Donabate, I think it was. And uh, yeah. it was three of them. And again, they had to do um, a little gymnastics routine in front of everybody. And the children were nine, 10 and 13, if that rings a bell for me. Yeah. 
But again, for them to do it in front of everybody, I, look, I would have even struggled in terms of confidence. So just to relax them, um, I was doing, I'd done Giants, Wizards and Goblins with all of the staff on the day. And one of my favourite games. And, you, and you've done that with me before. So I'd done it with the athletes one-on-one just to see how they get on. And uh, the mums were there and they loved it. So they then started it. But it was the case of, listen, it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what the athlete cannot do and shouldn't be thinking about that it's what they can do and get them involved figure it out and then you can kind of guide them and help them and work collaboratively with them as you talked about yeah. and i think that's that's when you touched on that that challenge and that trying to exceed expectations you know that's so important especially when you're working with children with an id children with phys- physical um disability and making sure that they're involved but again getting them involved in their own learning not saying do this do that get them to ask you and you talked about that earlier on you said listen the athletes will not be long telling you what they enjoy what they don't enjoy and what sport suits them so that they might go to a world game then but if they don't they'll definitely go to sports and activities that they enjoy that's fun and that they're engaged and involved in yeah absolutely like i mean look special olympics as as an organization as a movement is you know its mission is to ensure that people with intellectual disabilities are fully included in society and sport is the medium it uses to build and develop those skills and you know if we are just entirely prescriptive about everything we do and we assume that we know better we shortchange we shortchange those participants those athletes those kids those adults whoever is playing along um and they're almost always people are more capable than you give them credit for. And I don't, I don't say that only about um, people with intellectual disabilities. I think across the board, yeah. we're all, we underestimate ourselves, we underestimate other people. And, and, and again, I think it's about that, that, that idea as well of making it uh, it's safe to have something not work out. And, and you touched on Owen about the, the coaches and, and for the coaches as well being okay with things not working out. And I think that's a really important thing. I think sometimes, especially for new coaches or coaches without a, a ton of sport experience. So, and we do get a lot of coaches yeah. in Special Olympics who don't come with a, a huge background in sport. Maybe they played a little bit in school or maybe it's just from school physical education or maybe not at all. And so the whole sport domain is is new to them and they're figuring that out as well. And there's sometimes a a sense that they need to be fully in control of everything that's happening in the session. And and I think we we have a responsibility as as educators and administrators in sport to make people comfortable with the fact that, you know what, everything doesn't have to be pretty and organized all the time. And, you know, Liam Moggan talks often about, you know, finding the bio in you. Um, which is like you know obviously a very very Irish expression but but finding the the little bit of you know gutsy scrappy fighter in you that's that's okay with things not working out and and as you said earlier just adjust so let's let's try it and and okay we don't want to like pitch things that so far that that nobody's able to manage but it's okay if we you know if we try out an activity and it doesn't work to to scale back or modify or just Scrap it all together and move on to the next thing. You know, we have to be kind to ourselves as well, I think. I know that in your role, you do that a lot. You do getting to know your athletes and getting to know the children that you work with. And the more you get to know them, the more you build those relationships, then the more you're going to figure out, well, Owen, Owen might struggle with this, so it might make it a little bit easier for him. We're still going to challenge him, but Fiona yeah. is flying, so we're going to have to really challenge her. She could be a leader to help Owen or whatever it is. But again, the more you get to know your athletes, you engage them, you bring them along that journey, you ask them the questions through play, through making up their own games, and just to get to see what they understand, what they're able to do, but also giving them a different role to play. Because then when they're making up their own games, as you know, yourself, they're being a coach, they're being a mini coach. Yeah. You know, so yeah. even though they're players and they're athletes, if they're helping each other, being leaders, they're little, like being mini coaches on the field um, or on the pitch or on the court. And that's so important as well for that engagement and involving them in their own learning. Um, and that's probably, I know that we're going to go on to a little bit of challenges later on. And we did talk about that in terms of the challenge of coaches. And that's definitely something that always kind of comes up in the episodes is coaches mm. relinquishing that little bit of control. And we all love to have control, but 
the fact of if it does work, okay, park it, go mm-hmm. somewhere else. As you said, you know, the plan yeah. is the plan is only the plan till the plan doesn't work. So, you know, going to plan B yeah. right the way down to plan Z um, is so important. So I kind of want to touch on um, the partnerships. So with your role with um, Special Olympics International and obviously with ICOATS Kids, Special Olympics International is now a partner. Um, so how do you see that partnership um, impacting over the next few years or how has it impacted, or sorry, and how has it impacted so far? Yeah, I mean, look, partnerships are so vital to sport and Special Olympics and it's becoming even more central to what we do, um, both in terms of sports federations, the international sports federations, right the way down to, to national level partnerships and, and, and more locally. And then also looking at organizations like iCoach Kids, which operate, you know, with a specific cohort of athletes. Um, they are so important, you know, within Special Olympics, we internationally, I think we, we offer something like 80 something sports, probably about 40 of those are common sports, very common, high, you know, high player numbers, high representation across all of our, our seven regions um, or, or five, say, of the seven regions. Um, so it's it's ludicrous to think that we could be the experts in all of those and, and, and nor should we be, because I think there are there's a couple of, of advantages to, to engaging with partners like that. And one is, is obviously the access to the expertise that they offer and the opportunity to, to exchange expertise. Um, but it's also a big piece that I see huge value in is connecting our coaches to that coaching community. And, and I think there's a, a couple of, of areas as we look at the partnership with iCoach Kids that it, are so important. And, and that community piece is huge. Like we've had the opportunity to connect in with the iCoach Kids webinars, with iCoach Kids conferences. Um, we are, are working with iCoach Kids at the moment, exploring how we can utilize the resources that are there to provide sort of spe- Special Olympics education opportunities that are grounded in the iCoach Kids materials, which um, you know the iCoach Kids community is so generous with, with sharing out to others. So I, I think as we look to sort of the practical application of, of the partnership, I think it's around connecting our community with the iCoach Kids community and, and all of the partners that that involves, but then specifically around um, enhancing and developing additional training opportunities for our coaches. Um, youth sport is huge. Huge numbers of our participants in Special Olympics are, are in that youth category. Um, and I think also the, the applicability of the iCoach Kids resources, I think they're fantastic for any coach of any age. Um, but I think when we look at, at our cohort of athletes, an awful lot of it is very developmentally appropriate for a very large portion of our community. So for sure, we might make adjustments to things based on age appropriateness, but in terms of the developmental level, it's absolutely on the money. Um, the feedback from, from coaches in our community that have engaged with iCoach Kids is so positive. Um, you know, we've had the likes of, of, of Chris and Sergio coming to talk um, at Special Olympics events. And it's just, it's incredible to watch the reaction from the coaches. They, they see somebody speaking their language and communicating to them in a way that makes sense when they think about their cohort of athletes. And sometimes we miss that on, um, you know, federation uh, qualifications because they can be very, very technical. And, and again, for coaches who don't maybe have that sports-specific background or that very solid experience in, in the sports-specific world, um, I Coach Kids is so accessible, but really high quality, evidence-based. It just, it ticks all the boxes for us. So we are really, really excited um, to, you know, to continue to work with iCoach Kids and, and to continue to expose more and more coaches in our community to the great work that you guys are doing. And in relation to your own specific role um, as Director of Coaching and Education for Special Olympics International, um, because you support coaches all over the world, not just in Ireland and the United States and Great Britain, um, in the more affluent areas in terms of we talked earlier on, before we came on about resources and having support so in relation to your own specific role about supporting coaches um what are the big advantages for you um working with so many different uh, boards and bodies 
and also the challenges of supporting so many coaches in so many diverse areas also. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'll, I'll start with the advantages and you, you can steer me when I go <laughs> rambling kind of talk here. But look, I mean, the, the, you know, the huge positives are kind of, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Like we can't be, you know, as an organization specialist, we can't be the holder of, of, of all of the knowledge and of all of the expertise. It's too, too wide a field. And, and why, would we, why would we when it's already there? Um, I think the opportunity to connect into that expertise to also, as I said, share the expertise that we have, um, but building the relationships right down to grassroots level, but also from the grassroots level up, because sometimes these really solid relationships don't start in international federation head offices. They start with a local community club and they, they work their way up the chain. Um, but, but it's really helping our our sport program, our, our, our Special Olympics programs to connect in with those, those local federations. And it happens really, really well in many, many countries around the world, but we are trying to provide more support to our regional offices who really do the hard work with, with the programs and help them with that. And it's the programs ultimately, and when I say programs, I mean, yeah, our countries, our states, um, we have a, over 220 of them. Um, across seven regions, they they are the people ultimately who will make the connection with the national sports federation or the you know the national body of of a partner, um, and they are the people who who will make will translate that partnership into action. So, really, our our job is really just to try and facilitate and grease the wheels so that that can happen because really they're the people doing all of of the hard work, and I suppose therein in some ways lies the challenge as well. Um, you know, there are 220 plus um, programs around the world and in over 190 countries. Um, we are dealing with such diversity in, in terms of the state of development of different sports um, different different partners They may be really strong in one country and, and very well able to support and engage with us, but have no presence somewhere where we could really benefit from that. So um, I think what we're trying to do really is, is work as closely as possible as we can with partners in a very symbiotic way so that it's not it's not special olympics going to a partner and saying hey we need your help and there's the full stop it's like hey we we could really use your help in this area and we think we can support you in this area um because many many partner agencies and federations are recognizing the really important place that people with intellectual disability have in the sporting landscape they're a huge community. I mean, we have we've over six million individuals with intellectual disability registered with Special Olympics, and they are a tiny percentage of the upwards of 200 million people around the world who have an intellectual disability. Now, of course, everybody doesn't want to play sport, um, but what we want to do as we work closely with those federations and partners is to provide opportunities where we can for, for anyone who wants to, to, to have that. Um, but you know, ultimately, it's a it's a we're at the stage where we are putting small drops into a, a really really big pot. Um, but what's what's really heartening and really fantastic to see is the change in that perception of the position of Special Olympics in the sporting landscape. And really, like since I started working in disability sport nearly twenty years ago, it's really positioned quite differently now. And there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more uh, appetite, I think, to engage with Special Olympics as a genuine sporting endeavor rather than as, um, I suppose, a, like a charitable enterprise, um, which, of course, you know, we are. Um, so that's not to say that that's not the case, but there's a recognition that quality sport actually matters. And as we work with our federations and with our regions around the world, there's a recognition as well that the key to getting to that place of really good quality sport experience is coaches. And we can't do that without investing in them. And investing in them means investing time in them. It means investing expertise in them. And it doesn't mean investing financially in them as well. I know, like you touched beautifully on that. I'm very fortunate to work with Special Olympics only for eight or nine months, nothing like uh, the length of time that you've been there and um, <laughs> others have been there. You made your mark though. <laughs> but in terms of, I, had seen Special Olympics from the outside when it was in New York and when I'm doing a bit of work with Ulster GA we would have um the GA teams would have played at halftime in Ulster semi-finals always a great time but again until you 
I was actually in the organization every day. It's a phenomenal organization. I don't say that lightly and it's a little bit, um, you cannot really put it into words, the volunteerism, which in fairness, it's the same as a lot of other sporting bodies have volunteerism, doesn't say they don't. But Special Olympics is a different breed, I find. Um, just in terms of um, how they interact with the athletes, how they interact with you. Um, they're so passionate, they're so accommodating. The relationship building is very much to the fore of everything. It's not just about the athletes, it's people first. Um, and yeah. their people are so important and keeping them involved, keeping them engaged, as we said before, but that is vital. And, and I wonder in terms of your role um, with coaching education around the world, because of the, you talked about the parent dynamic. Um, so what is the biggest difference between the parent dynamic that you would see in hockey or GA, but also to the parent dynamic of volunteer coaches coming as parents within Special Olympics? I mean, you know, you, you could look at this in two ways, Owen. You could say it's, it's exactly the same. It's moms and dads coming along and they want their kids to have a fun sport experience, to make friends, to get some exercise, to ideally build a love of sport that will spawn a lifetime of activity. And you could say that that's really not different to anybody else. But I think what we do see, um, and it's not everywhere, you know, this is the, you know, one of the complexities and the beauties of Special Olympics is that it's so different all over the world, you know, you know, Pick, pick a point along a spectrum and, and you'll find every, every element of it in Special Olympics. But, but I think where it does differ um, is that oftentimes what we see when parents come to Special Olympics is that this is the only opportunity for their child. They have either had do doors closed to them or there simply are no other doors. And this, is, this becomes not only a really important place for their child, to have the, exper the experience of sport and all of the amazing things that we all know go with sport, the friendships, the social development, the leadership skills, the confidence building. Um, but it's also a really important place for them. And it's a place for them to connect with other parents yeah. who understand their challenges, who understand the reality uh, of their life and, and the complexities that, that at some at times um, exist with having a child with intellectual disabilities. Um, but it also gives them a chance to connect with, uh, with, with parents who can say, hey, well, I never thought my child would be able to do this, but look at them now. I, I recall a number of years ago when I was working with Special Olympics Ireland, this is just a moment that really, like really, really stuck with me. I, I was actually up in Ulster and we, we were running a, uh, an introductory coaching course and we had a little check-in desk uh, in the leisure center. It was running in just out in the hallway and we were just set up and checking all the coaches in. And this gentleman walked in with his two kids. He was taken to them with swimming lessons and he kind of walked towards the desk and walked away. And then he kind of walked back and walked away. And then he came back again and he said, my wife's actually just had a baby she's in hospital right now our baby's a week old she's born with down syndrome how would we go about learning more about special olympics and it was a really it was quite a profound moment because you realize wow like often it's hard for parents especially early on to know well, what is there there they're dealing with this huge sometimes unexpected diagnosis at whatever stage it's not always at a newborn stage and then the opportunity to feel, oh my gosh, there's a community there that can actually be of support to me. I think that's really huge. And I suppose I've kind of veered off the coaching piece a little bit on that, but, but I think it is, it is an important piece. And, and for those parents, sometimes getting involved in a coaching role is a really comfortable way for them to bring their kid into that sporting world. They can still be there and be part of it. Um, and, and for some, they don't want that. So that's fine. There's, there's coaches there in the corner. For those who do, it's a really... It's a really safe way for them to be able to see that their child is good, their child is safe, their child can do this, um, and they can be there to provide the support that gives the child and them the level of comfort they need. So going back to kind of um, the last part of this segment of the episode, um, talking about the biggest challenge for coaches work with people with different abilities. Um, now, 
probably in your in your case this is the right person to ask <laughs> but i know the way you are you're very much no i'm not really old. well yes you are because in terms of your experience <laughs> that, but... across across the spectrum um what would be the biggest challenges for coaches working with people with different abilities Again, on this, I, I think it's hard to generalize because everybody has everybody has a different experience, and I think it does depend on what experience you bring into that coaching background. So, if you come in with a, a whole ton of sport technical experience, but you've never met a person with intellectual disability before, well, sometimes that's the the stumbling block and that realization that, or, or getting to that point of realization that. Um, you know, challenge is okay, failure is okay, communication is actually okay, I can do it, but I might need to flex my style a little bit more. Um, breaking down the skills, I might need to change, change up how I do that a little bit more, be a bit more thoughtful about progressions and adaptations and so on. Um, but then if you're, uh, you know, if you're a parent of a child with intellectual disability, are you familiarity with working with people with intellectual disability? That piece isn't the issue, but you're, you might find the sport piece Kind of daunting so we kind of have a, a you know we have different camps in that um but i think overall when i you know when i look across um sort of the the landscape the, the two pieces that really stand out to me are that level of comfort and confidence in challenging and making failure safe or making you know abs or not, not seeing failure as failure i guess i don't know what the the best alternative word would be and then that that's sport specific piece because I think sometimes what we 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 see and, it, I, and this is absolutely not exclusive to to Special Olympics this happens I think in every coaching domain where the coach becomes the limiting factor um, to the athlete's development and I think that's um you know what is so wonderful about Special Olympics coaches is as you mentioned the absolute passion and commitment that they have there are people who've been doing this for you know, for almost their whole lives, and they don't dream of, of giving it up, and they keep going long after retirement, and they are so committed um, to to making sure that their athletes have the best possible experience. And I think as as coach educators, we have a responsibility then to make sure that they continue to have those opportunities to learn and develop themselves as a coach. And I think that's for me where we can do better. I think that's that's. You know, if you ever, you know, if you ever look and you think, uh, you know, oh, this coach is, this coach doesn't know this, it's how much responsibility is on the coach because they don't know that or how much responsibility do we also take upon ourselves as the educators that we haven't maybe presented an opportunity for those, those skills to be learned. And one other, one other piece, and this is kind of a slight segue, but I think one of the other things that we, we can do better on to, to help coaches have a better and, and, and longer experience within special is to help them to learn from their experience as well i mean gosh you, you know how much have you learned owen from the sessions you've run and the mistakes you've made and feedback here you talked a lot earlier about you know engaging the athletes and getting their feedback i think the best coaches in special olympics are the people who have those conversations all the time with their athletes they they listen to their athletes they respect their perspective no matter what age they are and and they respect that if if you know something isn't working for the athlete it's not the athlete's fault it's there's something that you've got to tweak as a coach to make that work um there's a great clip with Ron Nagar actually I don't know if you saw it a, a couple of weeks back and he talked about that you know at a high performing end but I think it applies everywhere you know if you if your athletes aren't following what you're you're trying to get them to do or or they're not understanding your instruction then the onus is on you as a coach to make that um switch and I think you know that 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 passion and commitment we see in Special Olympics coaches, they have that in abundance. They have that willingness to to make the decisions uh, and and make the right choices. And we have to kind of help them make sure that they have all of the information, resources, and understanding that they need to be able to do that. That kind of lends itself in a little question of the circle here. And we told you beforehand that it will go into more depth on some of the things that we haven't talked about that you've undertaken a doc prof. And what you were talking there, Fiona, in terms of, you know, thinking and reflecting, how important is that in coaching for yourself, but also in your role as director of coach education for working with the coach from around the world? How important is it to reflect on what you're doing to learn for yourself, but also for the athletes who are in your care? 
yeah look I, I, I I'm I'm learning more about this all the time <laughs> as we talked about earlier and you know it's this is you know reflecting and 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 learning from my own experience in a very deliberate way has probably not been something that I've been very familiar with or that I've been really skilled at um over my career so I'm learning much more about this through through the education that I'm engaging with at the moment and um you know for me it's I I'm starting to understand just how critical that really is and and to just to be able to take that step back and really digest things um and and make it make sense in my world and I think you know one of the things when we were talking earlier when we talked about the lack of research that is out there in terms of coaching athletes with intellectual disability there is there is some literature out there but it's it's certainly not a big um not a big field right now um and so I you know I'm not gonna you know find a book that tells me everything I know or find a website or even a even a journal that's going to give me everything I need to know I've got to figure out a way of drawing the lessons from 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 what I'm seeing around around me and doing it in a very deliberate way and I think as I as I work with my colleagues around the world who are you know ultimately are the people who do all the hard work you know they're they're absolutely you know at the coal face all of the time um but it's it's so important not just to kind of reflect on what I'm doing but to really consider and reflect on the experiences that they're sharing and what does that mean and my thinking has really evolved over the time in, in Special Olympics when I started in this role I, I you know I was so naive in many ways thinking that well hey you know we, we don't really have a very strong global coach education structure so we'll just we'll just create one it doesn't work like that of course and now we're, we're, we're taking a much more uh, flexible approach in that work and, and really recognizing that the contextual element is, is just so critical. And, 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 you know, we look at our different regions, you look at the likes of parts of Eastern Europe and Latin America where coaches are all professional um, degree educated um, coaches. And, and then you look at other parts of like Western Europe and, and US where they are largely uh, moms, dads, and community members versus parts of Asia where we're primarily looking at special education teachers or intellectual disability nurses or, or care workers. So it's, it's really looking and, and reflecting on that diversity around the world. And what does that mean to what practice look like, looks like? And to the point of kind of taking it back in, into like the day-to-day -day coaching practice, almost mirroring that willingness to be flexible and, and willingness to, to recognize that things don't always have to look neat and pretty. Of course, five years ago, I would have loved if I was able to produce a, a, a glossy coach development documentation that looked really pretty and was really clear and, and made sense, but that wouldn't have been useful to anyone. And, and that doesn't make sense. Um, I, I, I think, it, you know, when we look at a, at a global um, context, so I sort of went a little off track there, Owen, no, sorry. You're, no, you're grand. Like one of the things that, a couple of things that popped out of me in terms of when you were talking about that and whenever my experience and, and yours as well in terms of your role and me and Sergio would uh, discuss this sometimes is that when coaches or when people hear reflection and reflect on your practice, they think that it's really in depth. It doesn't have to be like that. And what you talked about was just the understand and two things in particular, to step back and just to digest what you've seen, what has happened, and then just the impact on what's going to happen then next. So, and that's for every single coach. And I can guarantee you, even if you're not writing it down, all coaches are doing it. All I ask, well, if, sure. you're, if you're asking the children, how was that? You're you're obviously getting their feedback. You want their feedback, and in fairness, they'll not be long telling you whether it's it's good or bad. Or Absolutely, and, and and no more so in Special Olympics than anywhere else. <laughs> Certainly get that. But that even that's reflection and, and thinking in the car, talking to yourself in the car. I don't know yeah. whether you talk to yourself in the car, but I definitely do. Um, <laughs> so <does>. just <laughs> asking yourself questions about why did I do that again, or why did I do that? Or, yeah. Hmm. Wonderful. And I think I one of the things that we have to do around that as well is, is, and you know, I think you kind of alluded to it there is sort of demystifying things yeah. like reflection, like that sounds kind of scary and serious to, you know, Joe blogs who really just, I just help out for an hour once a week. I mean, I'm not an expert. 
I, I, you know, I can't get into this reflection business, but, but to frame it in that sort of way, it's just like, okay, well, just, just very, you know, let's start off simple. You know, what went well, what didn't go so well, what might you change? And, and, you know, everyone doesn't have to be, you know, a deep philosophical thinker about absolutely everything they do. But, um, but I think it's, 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 and, and I think that's in how we educate coaches as well to, to help them to see that there's value in that. And from the very start, because I think sometimes we have a tendency with things like reflection, we really only build that in at a later stage of, yeah. of a coach's development when they're probably already doing it at that stage. Um, and that's, that's part of the reason they are where they are. But I think, I think for, to, to help people to understand that there's value to that at whatever level you're involved in. Um, and that will help if, if all you ever want us to be is be that one hour a week, you know, fourth assistant coach that's that's cool but it will help you be the best one hour a week fourth assistant coach that you can be so your athletes get the best experience they can possibly get class fiona i'm going to move on now to parenting coach tips from fiona murray so uh, i know this i know this here this here probably segment of the podcast probably scared you more than any other part <laughs> just because of how, how yes. we talked before um so in terms of yourself so Coaching tips from you, Fiona, if you were, let's say if you were, you know, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago when you were starting out and you're um, working with Special Olympics and from the 2003 World Games in Ireland. Um, so what coaching tips would you give that Fiona Murray that you know now? Do you know what? I think I was thinking about this a little bit before, um, before I got on the call with you, Owen, and I think, you know, I'm going to probably end up segueing slightly into another topic, but, but I think the biggest thing, and I think this is, I think this is really common with women is to not wait for someone to ask you if you think you'd enjoy this. And if you think you can bring something to it, just get stuck in, just talk to somebody who can help you find a route in there. Um, because I think for, for so many years, it was something I really, really wanted to be doing. And I kind of stepped back because, well, somebody knows more than me or somebody's better than me. And, you know, it's probably with a bit of maturity and a bit of a realization, which I will never please everyone, that I, I became more confident to, to kind of step into that. And so for me, that's that's the biggest lesson. I think for parent coaches, especially, um, you know, there's a, there's there's always a sense of, like, oh, I don't, you know, especially maybe if it's not your own sport. I, I don't know anything about this. Can anything to it absolutely if you care enough to have the interest to do it you can definitely bring something to it so and, and I think that's again and I, I know I kind of bounce sometimes back to this idea of our role as coach educators and administrators as well but I, I think that's something that we need to keep in mind as well and be much more deliberate about how we engage people and where we provide opportunities and don't always go for the you know the star player in the first team they might, might not be the best coach for your under sevens or your under sixes. And there is a just an incredible untapped resource there in, in parents and siblings and youth players and clubs who, who can do a really great job. And I think, you, you know, that's another thing as well, I think, is, is really looking at those youth players and clubs and getting them involved in a really meaningful way. In coaching early on and, and that's that's not just a you know come along and coach one session do do your dues and do one session a year but really focus on those kids who who look like they might have interest and and help them and support them to get engaged because not everybody has the confidence to put their hand up and, and walk to the top of the line um and uh yeah so i think that's that's probably the biggest thing for me um, and I would say, look, to, to anyone out there who's thinking about getting involved in coaching, like you don't have to be absolutely don't have to be a technical expert. You don't have to have been the best player. Um, you know, again, if that passion is there and that interest is there and you want to help the kids in your club have a better experience, you know, that's the kind of person I when I look at my daughter, that's the kind of person I want coaching her. Someone who's going to make sure that she learns a little bit has great fun, makes friends, and kind of gets challenged a bit as well. Um, so, yeah. And the last one. So you, we talked about, obviously, your primary coaching tips. Now, the biggest challenges that you have as a coach? Mm -hmm. Right now, um, 
I'm a hockey player, so I'm really struggling to get my head around uh, which hand goes on top of the hurl. So that's a big one. <laughs> but no, I think um, I think for you know for me, one of, one of the biggest challenges is is managing that very diverse ability in a group. I think that's a really difficult thing to do, and I don't have a solution for that. Um, I think some of that is 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 making peace with the fact that you can't control everything, um, and doing what you can do as best as you can do it. Um, there's always going to be outliers in every group. You're always going to have the kid who's got everything nailed in two seconds, and you're always going to have a kid who's struggling and takes much longer than everybody else to get on on board. So I think, I think you know, important to make sure that you're prepped for your options that you have in your back pocket. You have several um, possibilities. Prepare more than you think you're going to need. Um, and be ready to adjust. Um, you know, I got caught out in something yesterday. Um, won't make that mistake again. But but just you know, also just to be comfortable with with everything not being perfect. Because look, no one has to be perfect. Um, I guarantee you, at the end of the day, the kids aren't going to remember the drill you stuffed up. They're going to remember the five or six games that were awesome, fun, and they were laughing and playing and learning and challenging themselves. So um, I think that's yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. Love that. Um, Fiona, just before we finish, there's a, I have just like every, uh, every other episode of a ton of notes in front of me. Um, and obviously having worked with you a little bit in fairness, uh, and um, it's a, it's a pity for me personally that it wasn't a little bit longer, but um, having worked with you a little bit and having now, having you as a, as you talked about a collaborative, um, a collaborative coach, um, a collaborative development officer in terms of your role and, uh, and my role currently now as well. Um, it's been fantastic having you on. And I know I haven't done this when I left Special Olympics. Um, I, the, there was an electrical output in, uh, and out in the national campus. So <laughs> there's some of my things still in Special Olympics. I haven't had a chance to go in and collect it because of COVID. Um, but and technically I haven't being able to say goodbye face to face. So on a personal level, I do want to say, and I don't normally do this, but I do want to put a shout out to uh, the CEO of Special Olympics, Matt, Matt English, Kieran Coventry, Director of Sport with Special Olympics Ireland, Coach Donnelly, who was with me when I was there, and Coach has now moved on to HSC, um, Jerry McTavish, who previously had her in the episode, who's now with the GEA, um, but especially Elaine Toomey and Joanne Kelly, who were huge influences on me um, when I was there, Elaine especially helped me, her and Jer helped me get the role. Um, I plagued them before my interview. Um, they were phenomenal to me when I was there. And again, I never got the chance to say goodbye. And um, even though we're still in contact a little bit as well, but Karen especially was a great support from a peer, from a doc prof. Um, I was getting married at the time, so we didn't have any holidays. So she's very good in terms of being flexible and um, was wonderful to me. But especially, I also want to mention yourself as well, Fiona. Um, you know, our talks and our meetings that we would have had previously um, was always beneficial to me. You always, always came out bouncing. And it's the same as this episode. I'm coming out, I'm finishing it bouncing on a high. And everybody who listens to this episode will, because your enthusiasm, your passion, your dedication is absolutely infectious. Thank you so much for joining me in the Coach Kids podcast for this episode. Speak soon and take care. Thanks very much, Owen. Thanks for the opportunity to chat with you. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review. Also, please follow the iCodes Kids pages on social media at iCodes Kids World and subscribe to the iCodes Kids World YouTube channel where you'll have access to the massive open online courses conference presentations, as well as a huge number of videos and webinars to help you on your coaching journey. Stay safe and take care.